Good morning. Everybody doing good? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Ladies, you get your Valentine? Everything work out good? A few ladies could not raise their hand. I am so sorry. All right, guys, sharpen up next year. You got a whole year to plan. It's good to see you this weekend. I want to welcome the Mobile campus and the Foley campus. Thank you so much for being part of our weekend experience. And, and let, me, let me share something with you that we're going to begin uh, next month. Uh, it's called First Wednesday. Everybody say First Wednesday. That means the first Wednesday of every month, we will begin having a service on Wednesday night. Just one Wednesday a month, the first Wednesday. Your children will have something special going on, Icon Student Ministries, and then there will be a service with teaching and worship, and uh, we want you to go ahead and put that in your calendar. Our first one will be March the 4th. Mobile Campus, you guys will receive the message by stream as usual. Foley Campus, we want you guys to come to the Malbus Campus because you don't have a building yet. Unless you want to go stand in the field, the land, and just go stand out in the middle of the 15 acres, but you would miss out on the service if you do that. So uh, we want you to come to Malbus. And I will tell you, you guys in Foley, um, that we have, uh, we're working on the plans. We're really close. It won't be long until we'll break ground in Foley with our facility there. Let's give Foley a shout out because it's coming soon. <laughs> also, let me, I need, I need your help on something. Let me ask you this. How many of you love children? Hold, hold your hand up. Hold, hold your hand up. Anybody see a hand down? Okay. I'm just, just checking. We have so many babies. We're a blessed, fruitful church. We have so many babies that we need people to serve in our nursery, in our preschool, and we really want you to take, an oppor- take the opportunity to do so. You can stop by the info center and sign up. And I, I do believe that this is for couples. Uh, even if you're, you're older and your kids are out of the house, you know how to rock a baby. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm even going to ask my mother. My mother may be in the service. I'm going to ask my mother to serve in rocking babies. She loves babies. So th- there's no excuse. And just so you know, okay, if you don't love children and if you make it to heaven, um, there's going to be thousands and millions and millions of babies in heaven. So you get prepared here. So when you get there, some who've grown up in church and they've literally take the scripture where God said, I change not, and you think he meant diapers and so you don't want to go in there, <laughs> has nothing to do with diapers, okay? Uh, it's, it's good. You, you, you need to be part of that. So sign up. We have a lot of wonderful babies. What an opportunity to serve these little guys. And I think people who serve children are the most special people, the gifted people, the most blessed people, because I was a children's pastor, but I still know kids, if God would let me, that's where I would be, but he told me to come in here with you guys. So anyway, I want you to sign up and be part of that, okay? Well, I can tell you're excited. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be one of those. Uh, Open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. I'll start there, and I will return back to that text at the end of the message. Also, Deuteronomy 30 is a scripture that I want you to note and to memorize if you have not done so already. The fourth message in the Blessed Life series is, Who's on First? 
We're going to study the principle of the first. Who's first in your life? Who's on first? You've probably seen the, the old skit with Abbott and Costello, the who's on first skit. Well, who's on first in your life? So let's look at this. We're going to look at three principles. Here's the first principle. It's called the principle of the firstborn. Exodus 13, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it's mine. So God's declaring the firstborn is his. Actually, that phrase, he says, he says that 16 times in the Scripture. Verse 12, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opened the womb, that is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the male shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey, that's an unclean animal, you shall redeem with a lamb, a clean animal, and if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck, and all the firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. According to the Old Testament law, the firstborn was either to be sacrificed or used to redeem. And there were two options. Redeem, by the way, means purchase back. In the Old Testament, every time livestock animals delivered their first uh, animal, their first birth, you were to either sacrifice it if it were clean and if it's, if it's designated clean, if it's designated unclean, then you had to take a clean animal and sacrifice it for the life of the unclean animal. So what I'm saying is firstborn, if clean, was sacrificed, and if it's unclean, it had to be redeemed. Now, let, let, me, let me bring that into what that means to us. You remember John the Baptist, and he's at the River Jordan, and he looks and he sees Jesus, and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was God's firstborn. He was clean. We were all born unclean. We were born into a fallen nature. So the clean, Jesus, was sacrificed for the unclean, that's us, to be redeemed, purchased back by God. Now, when I, I'll give it to you in the natural, in case you missed that. When a sheep has its first lamb, okay, that you, you would offer that firstborn as an act of faith unto the Lord. If you had a donkey, which is an unclean animal, and it has its firstborn, you had to kill another sheep to redeem that animal, that donkey. The clean was sacrificed so the unclean were redeemed. So I said all that to get to this. In a very real sense, Jesus was God's tithe. He was God's firstborn, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, God, Christ died for us. God didn't wait to see, because it's been 2,000 years now, he didn't wait to see if you would change or you would repent, you would accept him. Uh, why? Because God gave Jesus in faith first, the firstborn. My question in this series, in this message today is, who's first in your life? Who's on first in your life? Exodus said, the firstborn are mine. Let me show you how it works. Let's go to the Old Testament. You remember the story of God's people being set free from slavery. They're in slavery over 400 years to the Egyptians. And remember, there were 10 plagues. There were 10 false gods they worshiped all at the same time. So there's 10 plagues. The last plague was where the death angel came through and the firstborn of every family and of every animal was going to die. You remember that. Have you ever thought about what gave God the right to do that? Here's why. Because the firstborn belonged to God. He had a legal right to take every firstborn in Egypt and in Israel. 
but the firstborn of Israel didn't die that night. And here's why. Because every home took a perfect lamb, they sacrificed it, cut its throat and redeem, to redeem them, and, and then they applied the blood of that lamb to the top of the door, which is called the mantle, to the post of the door, which is the right and left side of the door. They created the form of a cross, and they put blood on it, and Israel was saved by the blood of a lamb in the form of a cross. When the death angel came through that night, none of the livestock of the, of the Israel, well, they didn't have livestock, they're, they're slaves, but none of the children of Israel, none of the firstborn, they, they were all saved because of the blood of this lamb. And how were we saved? The firstborn of God, Jesus, came to the earth. He was put on a cross, and his blood was shed so that we could be redeemed. So let's talk about the principle of the first. Let's talk about it where we live. Let's talk about our time. All of us have the same amount of time. What do we do with that time? Can we redeem the time? Well, in the New Testament church, after it was birthed in the book of Acts, here's what they did. They started meeting on Sundays. And here's what they would do. They would come in in the first part of the day. They would give their first part of the first day of the new week to the Lord. And they would come in and they would worship him. And by doing that, they're redeeming the rest of the week so that their time works well for them. You, you've seen days and weeks that have gone by and you think, what in the world's happened? I've wasted all my time. I got caught up in this and caught up in that. Well, they re, that, that's why we come in and we worship and we, we're redeeming time for the next week so that that week will flow and everything will work. Well, that's time. What about our words? Have you ever thought about your words? What you think when you first wake up in the morning? See, what we should do when we first wake up is give thanks and bless the Lord and thank the Lord for another day. And our We should have an attitude of thanks and thanksgiving before we go out. When we do that, when we take our words and our thoughts and our heart and we do that, we're redeeming the words for the rest of the day. You may have had what we call the little cliche got up on the wrong side of the bed. And the whole day, everything was this and that and arguments and frustration and all these. Well, maybe, just maybe, you didn't redeem your words for that day. So it works in time. It works in words. And guess what? It works with your body. In other words, when you put God first in your diet, and that's not a new diet. It's not out on the market. It's what you eat. When you put God first in your diet, watch, it redeems the physical and it helps redeem the spiritual. Let me show you what I mean. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, in the time of Passover, of the sacrifices, here's what he does in chapter one. He goes in and he talks to the king and he says, hey, listen, myself and three guys, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would you allow us to eat only vegetables and drink only water and give us a time frame and see if we're not, if we eat this way, see if we're not smarter and see if we're not healthier than the king's men. This is the physical. And so he allowed them to do that. And the scripture says at the end of the time that these guys, these four guys were 10 times smarter than the king's men. In fact, even the king, he reversed some of his men and they had to start eating healthy. That's in the natural. What about the spiritual? In Daniel 10, Daniel's up against a spiritual battle. He needs to hear from God. The enemy of your soul wants to stop up the atmosphere. And sometimes we have to take the principle of the first and we have to take it to the spiritual mode. So what did Daniel do? He went on a 21-day fast. In that time, in that 
time, he is taking his natural body and denying it of certain food and certain drink. Why? So that that atmosphere can be cleared so that he can hear and get a breakthrough from God. So here's what I'm saying. In this first of the natural and first of the spiritual, you know, what we have to understand is that you need to resist the enemy. And the scripture says before you can resist the enemy, you have to submit to God. So we need to submit to God, our time, our words, our thoughts, and our, and our, and our spiritual life, submit it to God. When you take the, the, the first principle seriously and you put him first in any area, in time, in physical, in the spiritual, the rest is redeemed. That's the principle that's through the scripture. Here's the second principle. It's called the principle of first fruit. Exodus 23, 19, scripture says, the first of the first fruit of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. God's very specific. First of first fruit. Why? God will never be second. He can't be second. He wants to be first. He wants to be on first. He wants to be the first of your life. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord your God, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Why, why barns and vats? Because 90% of the people then lived off the land or they lived off of vineyards or they lived off of the animals or the sheep or the cattle, whatever they're doing. And so that's their income. So they understand this barns being full, their income, their bank account, all, all there's plenty and it's overflowing. Most people today don't understand this principle. And the promise is for believers that if the first increase goes to God, the rest is blessed. In the natural, the rest is redeemed. In, this, in the giving aspect, the first fruit, the rest is blessed. And it says, the house of the Lord, bring it to the house of the Lord. Let me tell you where the house of the Lord is. The house of the Lord is where you're spiritually fed. The house of the Lord is not a TV ministry or any of that. The house of the Lord is, is not a missionary. We support missionaries, but not, not, this, not the first part. It goes to the house of the Lord where you are, where you are spiritually fed. It's not where you want to send it. And I've had people argue with me. Well, I want to send it. I feel, no, the principle of the first is where you are fed spiritually. It goes there. Let me give you an example of how that works, okay? I want to show you. In the scripture, when Joshua is ready to go into the promised land, Moses has died and he's going in and there are cities that he's going to have to conquer and take back because people are there and they, they're not supposed to be there. They're, 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 they have to be removed and the cities have to be conquered. The first city is the city called Jericho. It's the largest, it's the biggest, it's the strongest. It's like incredible piece of property. So they're going in. And here's what God says to Joshua. He said, listen, when you take this city and you will take it because I promised it to you, this is the promised land. When you take it, all the spoils in this city all of the gold, all the silver, all the money, all of that, you take, it belongs to me, you bring it to the house of the Lord. So the first city conquered in the promised land, the first fruit is Jericho. What's God saying? He's saying this. He, he, he's saying, when you conquer the first, bring the first. He didn't say, go conquer the ten and then take the first and bring it back to me. He said, when you conquer the first, you give the first, why? So the rest can be blessed and the rest can be redeemed. 
You know the story, and if you do, you know there's a guy in the story named Achan. He's one of the leaders in Israel. And Achan, when the walls all come down and everything's leveled and and they're taking this city, he's tempted and he sees the silver and the gold and he sees the the money. And what does he do? He starts taking it for himself. And here's here's what happened. He took it for himself, so his family and, and Achan himself are now accursed. And them disobeying what God said, also actually this is cursing Israel's efforts to take the rest of the promised land. They're stopped up. They can't move forward because this guy went against God and they're stopping the purpose, the mission of taking the promises of God. So watch, consecrated or cursed, that's exactly what tithe is all through the scripture. Tithe is either consecrated or it's cursed. It's consecrated for the Lord's house. If we take it for ourselves, it becomes accursed. Why? Because it's stolen. It's taken. Just like this guy Achan did, it doesn't belong to you. So that leads me to the third principle. This one you're going to love. You're going to get so excited. It's called the principle of the tithe. Say it, tithe. That's not too bad, is it? Say say it again, tithe. Yeah, it's the principle of the tithe. In Malachi 3, you know many of you do, but let me tell you, God made it very clear through this prophet that if we keep the tithe to ourselves, we are robbing God. That's a sobering thought. How in the world can you rob God, the creator of the universe? But he tells us you're going to rob and you're going to be under a curse. There's going to be a spirit that rests on your house that's not supposed to be there. So Malachi 3, 8, the prophet said, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? How? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, here's what some have said to me in the past. They've said, uh, listen, that's Old Testament law. That's Old Testament law. Okay, then let's rewind the clock 2,500 years before the Old Testament law is given, and let's see what the Bible says in Genesis 4.3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. He did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Why didn't God, why did he accept Abel's and not accept Cain? Cain is the firstborn. Most theologians believe that Cain and Abel were twins by the way the scripture is read, but Cain is born first. So if he's born first, he's the firstborn. God did not receive, he did not accept his offering, but he accepted Abel's. What's the difference? It's the little phrase in there that says, in the process of time. In other words, Cain brought an offering, and in the process of time, he brings something that's not accepted. He brings the leftovers. He he brings, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this. I need to do this. He brings something. And and, and, and see, the first fruit, the first, the tithe must be first, is what God is saying. And this principle doesn't change through God's principle all the way through the Word. God's looking at our hearts when we give, and when we give of the first of our time, our talents, our treasures, God receives that. He respects that offering because you're revering Him, you're falling into this principle. The tithe, is, the tithe is the first, the first fruit, but it has to be given first. It can't be the leftover. Oh, yeah, I paid all my bills this month, so okay, I, I, I've got some here. I, I'll do that as tithe. The, see, it doesn't take any faith to do that. 
Are, are you breathing? It, it doesn't take any faith to do that. It's the principle of the first. Why? Because I want the rest of it blessed. I want the rest of it. Leviticus 27, 30 says, and all the tithe of the Lord, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it's holy unto the Lord. So just as the firstborn and the first fruits belong to God, so does the tithe belong to him. And, 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 and like the other, it must be first to redeem the, the rest. And really, does it take a lot of faith to give 10% if all your bills are paid? According to Exodus 13, the first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion has the power to redeem the rest. Let's go back to the story of Jericho. And so what happens is Achan steals, and, and what happens is now Joshua is going to go and go into the promised land. He's going to move into the mission that he's on. When he gets to the next town called Ai, it's a small town. He didn't need but just a few people to take this one over. But they get to Ai, and they just defeated this incredible city called Jericho, and they get whipped at Ai. And Joshua goes back to the Lord, and he doesn't understand. And the Lord starts revealing, hey, you, you got a thief in the house. You got, and, and he identifies Achan, and Achan and his family are stoned to death. And, and then all of a sudden, when that happens, Joshua asks for repentance, or it, it, it repents, and then all of a sudden now they go back in and they defeat it. They moved on. Why? Because the curse is taken off. The first portion was Jericho. The first portion has the blessing. Don't wait until you've paid all your bills to give your tithe. Here's why. Listen, catch this. Your utility company does not have the ability to put blessings on your finances. Your bank does not have the ability to redeem or bless your finances, your mortgage company. So why? Why do I want to give it first? I want to give it first as an act of faith, and I want to give it first because I want the rest of it to have blessings on it because when it has God's blessings on it, the 90 is going to accomplish much more than the whole 100% because the whole 100% is under the curse. And we'll talk about this curse. It's the spirit of mammon. I'll talk about it in this series, a whole sermon on the spirit of mammon. When that money has not been set apart and consecrated, it has that spirit on it. That spirit rests on all the money that's going on in our whole world system unless you set it apart and you get it redeemed so that your money is consecrated so that when it goes forth, it's going to do more than you can even possibly imagine. And, and, and see, I, I believe some people miss this blessing, even though they're trying to give the 10%, they're missing it because it's leftovers. Well, this month I couldn't do it because, oh, this month I can do it. And so in your mind, you're thinking, well, I'm a tither. I'm a tither. No, it's to bring the first of your increase. Bring the first of your increase. Give the first of your increase. The first portion redeems the rest. Here's, here's the problem. The problem is the bottom line of this, we fear the banks and a mortgage company more than we fear God. We, re, we have uh, fear, I mean, re, we have more reverence for the banks and the mortgage companies than we do God. So when they say do this and do that, we got to make sure we do that. And then we put God on the leftover system, kind of like Cain's. And I'm, I'm not sure how he accepts all of that. I'm not, I'm not going into that in that detail, but I'm telling you this, when I put him first, then I don't have to worry because I know the rest is redeemed. The 90 will do more. I know the mortgage will be made. I know the car payment will be made. I know that's going to happen and, 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 and because I'm putting all of that in God. I'm respecting, I'm revering what God said to do first. Here, here's what, this is what I see. All of us have probably been in a place where we've been financially upside down. We've owe, we owe, we, we spend more than we make. We owe more. We get out of bank. We, we get in trouble with credit cards or whatever. Probably just about everybody's been in that place. And here's what we've learned. 
We, we do a class, an equip class called Financial Peace. It's Dave Ramsey. And here, if you haven't been through it, you need to go through it. We offer it in our church. Here's what, here's what you find out. That you, you, you need to, it's real simple, you need to spend less than you make. And you should try to work around spending about 70% of what you make, and then you take the 30%, and it goes here and here and here. Okay? That, that's just some kind of principle. Well, once you've been through an upside-down season, and you get that principle, and you get your house in order, you, you believe in that principle, right? So my question is, why can't we believe in the principle of the first if we put that much faith and trust in, a, in, the, in the mechanics of budgets and all that, which they're there. You need it. You need a budget. You need to listen to Mr. Budget. Let him talk to you. But why can't we take the principle of the first and apply first things first to our finances? Are, you okay with that? I can tell you, you really are. Man. The Bible says, well, I'm going to show you the difference. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 26 that you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. Bring. It says bring the tithe in the storehouse. The Bible never uses the word give when it's talking about tithe. Why? You can't give something that doesn't belong to you. But you can bring something in your possession that belongs to someone else. So everything you have, you are a steward over. It belongs to him. He's blessed you. He's given it. So you're a steward over it. So you can bring something you're in possession of and you're returning it. You're really bringing the tithe back to the Lord. And then you're giving out of your, you're giving out of your 90%. That's your offerings. I'm going to talk about multiplication next weekend, how that multiplies. But you see, we're blessed and God, God wants to be first. He won't settle for second. And, and I'm not teaching this truth and this series about giving and tithing because God needs money. I'm delivering these truths for your sake, for your sake. And my heart breaks for the body of Christ because of our lack of understanding these principles and our failure to walk in God's blessing. So much of the body of Christ is walking under a curse as a direct result of not understanding the principle of the first. And we kid ourselves and we've got ourselves food, fooled and thinking, well, I did this and I did a little of that and I did this and I did that. And, 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 and we're, we're playing this cane game, if you will, and, and we're bringing the leftovers whenever. And, and, and you see, here, here's what I want us to understand. You, you've probably wondered, how in the world did America get in such a debt? Trillions. Uh, you, you, how, why are so many Christians in so much debt, just, just like non-Christians? Why, why, why are we so upside down in debt? Well, you see, what if every believer tithed? What if every believer put God first? It would change the, 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 the complexion of our whole nation. Because a lot of the, most of the people in our country, you know, call themselves a Christian. It would change the complexion of debt. It could change the complexion about your whole, your whole house if God is first. But let me flip the coin. Who's on first with God? Who's, 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 who's top, who's, who's on first base with God? Who's first with God? People are. God loves all people. And he uses the principle of the first, and you, and you can see this in the Old Testament, it's called the order. There's an order in the tabernacle, order of sacrifices and all that. God has an order for people. So who's on first with God? People. The purpose of this church is to take the gospel, the message of Christ, all over the world. That's following God's order. In the New Testament, we call it the Great Commission. That's why we, Bay Community Church, 
we give, watch, we give first fruits of what comes into this house. Your monthly tithe and what you give for 17 years, we make sure that at least 10% of that is sewn back into ministry outside of this church. And it usually averages 13 or 14%. It's been to 20%. So it's not, we just make sure it never drops below 10. Why? Because we practice what we preach. Every pastor in this church tithe. I tithe. A lot of pastors, in, or some pastors in some churches, they don't tithe. You know, it's like, okay, we get a special green card. We get passed. No, 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 no. We, 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 we tithe. We believe in this principle. It works. And, and what I want you to see is that we are sowing at least 10% into ministries that are reaching people. We do it first in our own backyard in Mobile County, Baldwin County, ministries that are effective. We sow into them. We believe in them. We support them. And then we go into our nation. There are ministries in this nation that we know and we believe in, and they're doing phenomenal things. We sow into them. We even sow into ministries in other parts of the world. We sow into the missionaries. We, we believe, and, and, and listen, it's not, it's not that we're just, we want this so we can hold on to it. We have a reserve, and we have budgets, and we have all that. It's not so we can have, hold on to it, and we got all this money. No, we are a giving church. So when you give, we give. And the more you give, the more we give. We believe in giving. And every time I'm thinking about, okay, God, we, we've got this, and it's looking pretty good. God will say, I want you to do this. Or somebody will show up and say, do that. And all of a sudden, instantly, there's a, something that drops in my spirit to give this, sow this, give this, sow this. And I can't tell you how many times I've sent an email or I picked up the phone and I'll call the office and I'll say, send this now. It needs to go now. What am I doing? I am listening to God. I am following God. I have no restrictions on giving and sowing. Why? Because if it's about the kingdom, here's the way it works. It starts off with capacity. And you younger guys need to understand this and practice it now. The more I am giving the more of the principle the first I operate in and God knows he can trust me and we're not wasteful and we're not doing this and we're not being stupid with it but we're sowing and we're sowing guess what the capacity starts growing and, and, and it gets larger and it gets larger and it goes from a metal building with 100 chairs to another building with 500 chairs to another building with 1400 chairs and it goes from this missionary and that missionary and this campus and that campus and it goes international and then it goes to this missionary and that missionary and this country and that country what's, what's going on we are promoting the gospel. We are walking into the promised land that God has for Bay Community Church, and I don't want to be the one that's going to help and, and, and cause it to stumble because I'm under a curse because I'm taking it and I'm holding on to it. It's not about just me and my house being blessed. It's about the kingdom of God being blessed so that this church where I am fed the word of God, where this church where I worship God is advancing the kingdom, and I have a part of that because that's the heart of the Father. <clears throat> Throughout the Bible, God consistently promises to bless his people. So, so, so listen to this, Deuteronomy 30, 19, I ask you to turn there. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That both you and your descendants may live, live forever. To choose life with God is to choose the blessed life. God is, as always, he wants to bless you. But if you think his blessing is entirely just because he likes you or you're special or you're, you're, you know, you're this, you're missing it. The blessing of God in your life goes beyond your existence. 
It goes beyond. How does it go beyond? Listen, the blessing on this nation, and you can look at all the ugly and whatever and confusion and frustration right now, but if you go back to the heart of this nation, here's what we're part of, Genesis 12 and uh, 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. This nation has blessed more people, helped more people, more missionaries, send the gospel out more than any nation in the history of mankind. The purpose of God's blessing is to enable us to be a channel of blessing to others. If you have nothing, you can do nothing for others. If you have a little, you can only help a little. If you have a lot, there's a whole lot you can do. When you are blessed, you have a foundation from which you can impact others. So that's why we say you're blessed to be a blessing. And you may be sitting there inside and you're thinking, okay, 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 pastor, I get it, I get it. How do I live a blessed life? First things first. You gotta make him first. You know, there's 500 scriptures on prayer and faith. You know, there's over 2,000 scriptures on giving and uh, on possessions and money. 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught, 16 of them on money and possessions. So here's what you need to understand. Listen to me. We need to understand money and how to handle money. Money is a tool, money is a test from God. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, your loyalties, and your affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings that you will or you will not experience in life. Let let, let me show you how this first works, because it goes way back to a guy named Abraham who God said, listen, I'm gonna bless you and your seed, and by the way, I'm gonna give you a a promised son. He had to wait 25 years for the promised son. Isaac is the promised son. He had to wait for him. When the son is born and the son is at a certain age, what does God do? He says, give me the son. Go, Go sacrifice the son, offer him to me. What was it? It was a test. Abraham did so, God stopped him. You probably know the story. What's he saying? God wants to be first. Don't let this promise you've been waiting for 25 years take my place. You make sure that what I'm blessing you in never takes my place. You make sure that you offer it to me. That's a test. You offer it up. And when you offer it up, I'm going to bless you more. And what did he do with Abraham? Well, you look at the 12 tribes. You look at it. We're, We're here. I mean, you look at what all he did. Why? Because he passed the test. When you say God is first, then would your checking account confirm that? Well, pastor, you're getting really personal. I am. But let me tell you something. Eternity is a long time, and living here, you've got a wonderful life you can live here, and you need to be blessed while you're living here so that you can be a blessing to others, so I'm concerned about that. When I put God first, the firstborn, the first fruits, the tithe, here's what God is saying to me. This is what you have to understand. God is saying, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. When Satan comes against you, he lies to you. Here's what he does. When you're hearing this, and I'm going to tell you how you change that whole hearing process at the end of the message. I'm almost there. When you're hearing this, the enemy will come to you, not here, but later, and he'll he'll, he'll lie to you, and he'll, he'll drop fear. Well, if you do that, you're not going to be able to pay the electric bill. If you do that, you won't be able to buy food. If you do that, you won't be able to do this and this. And I have people come to me and say, well, I can't, I can't, I can't. Oh, yeah, you can do, you, you can, you can. But you, ha- you can't listen to fear. So he- here's what I've learned. When he comes to you with lies to produce fear and say, oh, you're going to go broke, can't pay your bills, you- here's what you say back to Satan. Listen to me. You say back to him, Satan, 
you are a liar. That's what the Bible says. Say it. Satan, you're a liar. And secondly, here's what you say. Satan, you're a liar, and I'm a tither. Come on. He can't tell the truth. There is no truth in him. When you lie, you're just like the father of lies. But when you call him out for what he is, and then you say who you are, all of a sudden, God said, I will rebuke the devourer. What does that mean? That means in your business, in your organization, where you work, where you serve, what was going to come into your hands, God may have stopped it for a season. Then he opens the door. Maybe there's a business deal that you can't see the backside, and he shuts that door, but he opens another door. What's going on? He is rebuking the devourer who's trying to steal your increase because you love God and you want to see the kingdom advance and the enemy knows that if the body of Christ were to give and give all out of their heart that the kingdom of God would grow. He doesn't want the kingdom of God to grow so he's going to lie to you but when you call him out and you tell him who you are, Jesus said, hey, I will rebuke the devourer. He's not going to steal what is your increase. That's good stuff. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. I want to close like this, because I think the lack of our understanding of these principles and our, is, you know, our failure, we have failure, we're not walking in the blessings, and it, and it sounds like a broken record. It sounds like, okay, okay, that's all. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, it's, life. it's the blessed life. It's the way we live. It's not everything's perfect. You know, did you overspend? Yeah. Did, you, did, did this deal go bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not perfect. But when you look at the big picture of everything, What you see is those seven blessings that everything flows through, those seven areas, they're constantly flowing into your house. You are walking out a blessed life. When you could see it and you're set apart, it's different. You're you're not special. We're all special. God has the ability to love you as if you were the only one. He can do that, and he wants to bless you. He's waiting on you to put him on first. So let, let me make this modern. Let me bring it up today. Let me go back to Exodus 13, verse 14. Listen to this storyline. And so it shall be. When your son, when your children, when your kids ask you in time to come and saying, what, what is this? Dad, why do you keep cutting the throat of this lamb? Dad, why do you keep killing these, these, these firstborns? What? And, and, and then you shall say to him, by the strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeemed. Here's what he's saying. Well, listen, son. Listen, daughter. There was a time when I was a slave. Your grandfather was a slave, and your great-great-grandfather, he was a slave. And we couldn't own land, and we couldn't have a house, and we couldn't have sheep. And, 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 and we were slaves, and you can see the scars on my back. But, but listen, here's the reason I offer this unto the Lord. Here's the reason I make this sacrifice, because I offer the first to God, because God delivered me from slavery, and I gladly give to the Lord. I have a covenant with my deliverer. I love my God. He set me free. I gladly. Listen, let me, let me put it today in the natural. Dad, why, why do you write a check like that? Dad, why, why, why do you give to the church? Dad, why do you do that? Well, listen, son. Listen, daughter. I wasn't always a Christian. Let, let me tell you what, what, what happened to me. I, I, didn't live, I didn't live for God, and I didn't know God, and then I came to God, and I can show you my emotional scars. I can tell you the emotional scars, but God delivered me. Therefore, I gladly give 
give the first to him. I, I, I didn't have all of this. I didn't have the home, didn't have the marriage, didn't have you. But he loved me. He changed my life. He's first in my life. And all of a sudden, watch, what you think is a burden to do, it's not. You gladly give. Why? Because he redeemed you. Because he set you free. And listen, here, here's what I want to say. I said all that to say this. If, you, if he's not first in your life, if you don't have that intimate relationship where he's first in your life, you will constantly struggle with giving. You will constantly struggle. It'll, be, it'll go against the grain. Here's why. Because you don't have the backstory. You, you, you don't know why I do what I do. I don't dread giving. I don't regret giving. I give. Why? Because of what he has done for me. And the older I get, the more I can look back and see, well, you did this and you did that. And I didn't even recognize it until later. But you're constantly blessing me. You're blessing my seed. You're blessing my house. And God, I want to help the promises of this church. I want to help the future of this church. I want to help the prophecies on this church be fulfilled. I don't want to stumble that up because God has a plan that we haven't seen in its entirely yet, entirety yet, but we're going to see it. But God is saying to you, listen, I set you free. And when you know he set you free, you gladly give. You, just a change in your heart. Can I get a witness from anybody? They'll say, yes, that's true. If that, if that hasn't happened to you, here's what will happen. You'll try to do it out of the natural. You'll try to do it out of discipline. You'll try to do it out of because the preacher said so. You'll try to do it out of this, this, and this. It won't last. It, it just won't last. You, that will not sustain you. You're trying to do it. What will sustain you is when you realize how much he loved you, how much he has forgiven you, how much he has set you free, and he has released you to walk in the blessed life. When you realize all of that, then guess what happens? You freely give. You freely give of your time, your resources. You don't mind serving babies in the nursery. You don't mind serving in a parking lot. You don't mind doing this, going on a mission trip. You don't mind it. Why? Because out of the abundance of what you have inside, of you, you can't wait to do something more because it's like God just keeps giving to me and blessing me and I can't wait to do more and do more and do more and do more. That's the blessed life and that's where he wants us to live and operate. Yeah. So I close with this. If you're still stuck in spiritual slavery, This is the time to get free. You'll have an occasion and just, you'll have a time in just a moment where you can be set free. It is a spiritual matter. And if you're still stuck, it will be difficult for you to have a heart of giving to God. And I know you heard the message, but if he's not first, did you hear the message? Is he first? Do you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is he Lord of your life? Because listen, you get to heaven, you're going to spend eternity with him. And if you don't know him, you haven't become a believer, and you're just trying to be a good person, listen, goodness won't get you to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus. This last week, I was supposed to be in Honduras, and this last week, there was a funeral that I intentionally stayed back for. Because this man was almost 93 years old. He was a World War II veteran. 
He's been, his kids and grandkids have been in our church and he's been around our church for a long time and I've had my eye on him and we affectionately have, a, everybody called him Pappy and, and he was a great guy. And, and, and two weeks ago, three days before, two days before he died, I was up here trying to finish up some things and, 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 and I just I set it up and said, I wanna go see him. So I go over and see this 92 year old and I haven't shared this in any of the others. I just felt led by the spirit to share this and I'll tell you why in a minute. So I go in and I say, talk to him. He recognizes me. He's, he's about to die. He's got cancer. And he says, I said, Pappy, do, do you know where you're going? Yeah, I'm gonna, they're going to bury me right up here by Fran. Says why? I buried her in September. I said, Pappy, no, I mean, do you know if you're going to heaven? Here's what he said. And this comes from a generation that we don't have a lot of these guys left anymore. These are men's men. They're strong. Here's what he said to me. You're going to go to heaven? It's doubtful. I said, well, we can change that right now. Do, do you want to change that? Yes. So I led him in a prayer. I said, now this is coming from your heart. And he led him in a prayer. He accepted the Lord. That was the, about the last conversation he had. He just slipped into mode Saturday night. That Saturday night he died. And, and here, here's what I said. Here's what I said. He, he had a space of grace. And God loved him and God saved him and he's with the Lord. But I thought, oh man, 92 years. What would it have been like if Jesus had been first for 92 years? What would this guy have accomplished? Listen, you, you can't put it off, your salvation. You, you don't know that you'll have that space of grace. And I haven't said this in any service because I feel like in this service, whether it's Mobile or Foley, somebody, somebody's listening to me that you have a space of grace. A space of grace is from here to here. And once you're outside of that space of grace, that, 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 that's it. It's over. And I'm not speaking fear to you. I'm just saying you're listening to me. And I, heard, I hope you hear the heart of this message is, make Christ Lord of your life. Don't try to figure out all this stuff. Without, you, you can't figure it out. But he loves you. And he wants to bless your life. Father, thank you so much for loving us and sending us your first fruit, your son. Thank you for dying for us. And I pray that whoever you're speaking to at any of the campuses, online, whoever you're speaking to, that they will realize that the most important thing they can do is make you first in their life and receive and accept you as Lord and Savior. And we give you the thanks for it in Jesus' name. God bless you.